ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತಾ ಆಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಕಾಮೆಂಟ್ರಿ ಬೈ ಹಿಸ್ ಡಿವೈನ್ ಗ್ರೈಸ್ ಎ ಸಿ ಭಕ್ತಿ ವೈರಾಂತ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ಪ್ರಭುಪಾದ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಥ್ರೀ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಟೂಮಿಶ್ರೇಣ ಬುದ್ಧಿ ಮೋಹಯಸೀವ ಮೇ ತದೈಕಂ ವದ ನಿಶ್ಚಿತ್ಯ Arjuna says to Krishna My intelligence is bewildered by your equivocal instructions therefore please tell me decisively which will be most beneficial for me Papad you have a translation Any translation In the previous chapter as a prelude to the Bhagavad Gita many different paths were explained such as sankhya yoga buddhi yoga control of the senses by intelligence work without fruitive desire and the position of the neophyte this was all presented unsystematically a more organized outline of the paths would be necessary for action and understanding Arjuna therefore wanted to clear up these apparently confusing matters so that any common man could accept them without misinterpretation although Krishna had no intention of confusing Arjuna by any jugglery of words Arjuna could not follow the process of Krishna consciousness either by inertia or by active service in other words by his questions he is clearing the path of Krishna consciousness for all students who seriously want to understand the mystery of bhagavad gita my intelligence is bewildered by your equivocal instructions equivocal means ambiguous it's not clear so it's very difficult to follow an instruction that's not clear you 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 will become afraid well, am i doing it right or i'm not doing it right krishna propad says he didn't deliberately confuse arjuna but arjuna didn't understand what krishna was saying he considered that krishna was speaking in a not a very clear manner Arjuna just wanted a clear path from from what i can see Arjuna he didn't ask Krishna to give him so much philosophical instruction he just said i don't know what to do should i fight or not fight you just tell me he just wanted krishna you tell me you have tell me to fight or tell me not to fight but krishna he started explaining all this philosophy so that arjuna could understand why he should do what he should do and the implications of 
in doing what he was doing uh, or the implications of, of not doing, the implications of fighting and the implications of not fighting. But Arjuna says that it's not, what you're saying is not very clear. Now many things in Bhagavad Gita might not seem very clear. It's not so simple. We say that Krishna consciousness is simple. And actually, it is simple. The basic principles are very simple. We are controlled, we are eternal, we are part and parcel of Krishna. We have to serve Krishna. But then, Krishna is not such a simple person. <laughs> Krishna is crooked. You know that? He's, uh, he is a threefold bending form. If you see that he, he's leaning on this stick, it's not a straight stick, is it? He's it's also stated that the way of love of Krishna is not very straightforward. When the gopis are arguing with Krishna, it might seem that they, they don't like each other, but actually they do love each other very much, but it's not very straight. It's very straightforward. And Life itself is very complex, as Arjuna had understood. That whatever I do, it doesn't seem very good. If I fight, then I have to kill my, or attempt to kill my gurus. That's not good. And if I don't fight, then these wicked people will continue in their ways. Therefore, it's my duty to fight. But I... I'm in a situation where I'm stuck. Whatever I do, damned if you do, damned if you don't. The saying goes. In other words, whatever you do, you're going to be wrong. So, Arjuna wanted a, a process, some simple path out of this. And the simple path actually is to act for the pleasure of Krishna. But uh, to understand that, in detail. It may not be very easy. Lord Krishna himself, uh, well, he, he started speaking about the nature of action, karma. Because Arjuna had, Arjuna was about to act by fighting, but he wanted to renounce the fight, which means that he wanted to come to the platform of inaction or our karma. And then Lord Krishna explained that Kim karma kim akarma eti kaviyopiyatramohitaha What is action and what is inaction? Even very learned people are often bewildered about this. Ah. Then, hmm? What is that? Then just after that he said, uh, well, I marked the page because I thought of ah, karmanya karma yapasheda karmanita karma karmaya sabudhiman manusheshu sayukta kritsna karma krit. Lord Krishna said, one who sees action in inaction and inaction in action is is intelligent among men 
and he is properly situated even though he performs action, which just, it sounds just bewildering to see action in inaction, inaction in action, doesn't seem to make any sense. It sounds like one of these Zen Buddhist koans. It's called a koan, which means... So it just doesn't seem to make any sense. The most famous one is uh, the sound of... You should meditate on the sound of one hand clapping. How can you meditate on the sound of one hand clapping? Because it requires two hands to clap. So it's like it sounds like something... Comp- doesn't seem to make any sense. How can you see action in inaction? Because inaction means there is no action. So how can you see action in it? And how can you see inaction in action? Because it's uh, action means there is uh, not inaction. So how can you see inaction in action? So Krishna explains these things. Uh, but it seems very contradictory and confusing. And there may be many uh, statements in Bhagavad Gita like that. But actually Krishna is guiding us to see everything very clearly. It's just that, um, yeah, life is complex. So to see our way through all of this may not be very easy. We have, in Bhagavad Gita also, Lord Krishna says, it, it seems to be right in the same verse, a blatant contradiction. Samoham sarvabhuteshu name dveshostina priyaha. He begins the verse. That I am equal to all. I don't envy anyone. I don't favor anyone. Ye bhajanti, then Lord Krishna continues. Ye bhajanti chamam bhaktya maite teshu chapyaham. But one who uh, is my devotee and worships me, I am in him and he is in me. So he says, I'm equal to everyone, but then he immediately makes a distinction. Right after that, but, but who is my devotee? Uh, well, I love them in particular. So he said, no one's dear to me, but my devotee is dear to me. And I don't favor anyone, but I favor my devotee. So it seems to be a, a blatant contradiction. And I, I've discussed this in detail in a previous lecture, this particular one. But even before Krishna started that contradiction in the second part of the verse... There already seems to be a contradiction even in the first line that Samoham Sarva Bhuteshu Name Dveshostina Priha. I don't love anyone, I don't hate anyone, I'm equal to all. But right before that, Lord Krishna says, maybe the best known verse in Bhagavad Gita, or second best after the one before it, Paritranaya Sadhunam Vinashaya Chadushkrita. I come, to, I come to uplift and deliver the sadhus and to destroy the dushkritis, the rascals. What are you, Krishnandi? Are you sadhu? You're going to, Krishna's going to save you or Krishna's going to kill you? Not sure. Doesn't understand the question. Is it? You better take shelter of your mother. She'll look after you because she's a devotee. (coughs) 
So it seems to be a contradiction. So, uh, this is discussed in some detail in the seventh canto of Bhagavatam where Parikshit Maharaj expresses that well, Krishna is supposed to be equal to everyone but then why, why did he, for instance, kill Shishupa? Where's his sameness? So everything that's explained there, everything the Supreme Lord does is good for everyone, but what is necessary for one person may may not be for another. That what is good for Krishna wants the good of everyone, but what is good for one person is not necessarily for the other. For Shishupal, Krishna showed his love toward him by cutting off his head. It doesn't seem to be a very loving thing to do, but that was actually for Shishupal's benefit. And as a result, he attained a liberation in devotional service. So uh, that is explained in some detail, but uh, it does require a devotional attitude to understand these points, because it's very easy to just immediately dismiss Krishna and say, you see... As so many people do, they say, you see, he's a, he's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a thief, he's a politician. That's an insult. Generally, it's an insult to call someone a politician. Uh, he's uh, immoral. So, Krishna can be understood by devotion... And Bhagavad Gita can be understood by devotion, bhakti. Otherwise, it's very uh, difficult, impossible to understand these topics. Bhagavad Gita makes everything clear, but if we don't hear Bhagavad Gita properly, then we may find ourselves in the position, Arjuna found himself in the beginning, of becoming more confused. Or even worse than finding ourselves more confused, what could be more, what could be worse than that is to think that we understand when we don't understand, and that's what happens with most people who study Bhagavad Gita because they don't understand it in the way that Arjuna understood it. They don't hear it in the mood of a devotee, or or uh, they don't hear it in the parampara of devotees. So they become more confused. And when Krishna says, uh, aham, so many times he says aham, or maam, mataha, mataha parataram nanyat, what is that? Mataha parataram nanyat He says, there's no truth superior to me. Even slightly. And people think, well, he's talking about me. When Krishna says me, he means me, the, the hearer, not Krishna himself. When uh, when Krishna says, I am, the, I am the purpose of the Vedas, they say, well, in the Vedas, the Supreme is described as arupa, anama, nirguna, no form, no name, no qualities, so Krishna must have no form, name or qualities because he's the goal of the Vedas and the Vedas say that the truth 
that the ultimate principle has no name, form or qualities. So this appears to be contradictory that a person whose form is there, Shamasunda, whose name is there, Shamasunda, Krishna, whose qualities are there, some people say they are good, some say they are bad, but they are definitely qualities. So if he is the supreme truth, and the supreme truth is described in the Vedas as having no form, name or qualities, then we can either understand that Krishna's apparent name, form and qualities are not real, they're just a temporary manifestation of the, in this unreal world as the Mayavadis say, and that's why they're called Mayavadis, because they think that Krishna's name, form, qualities, it's all Maya, because ultimately Krishna is Nirguna, Anama, Arupa. Or we can take it the other way that uh, well, Krishna definitely has form, name and qualities. Uh, and therefore, when the Shastra says that the Supreme has no form, name or qualities, it means he has no material form, name or qualities, which is the correct understanding, if we analyze in detail. Of course, most people are not interested in analyzing in detail. Most people take it in a very shallow way. So there are apparent contradictions within Shastra, within the Bhagavad Gita. But the contradiction is only because of our lack of understanding. And therefore, we have to understand. Bhagavad Gita is spoken so that we can understand. And Arjuna understood it. He didn't remain confused. Krishna explain these points so that Arjuna could become uh, free from confusion. So we should also hear Bhagavad Gita so that we can be free from confusion. There's the recording. That's why I wasn't in the room. <laughs> I was confused. <clears throat> we can be... Uh, yeah, we should we should hear these points and try to understand them very deeply. That's why I, I was asked to discuss Srimad Bhagavatam, give a class on Srimad Bhagavatam. But these days I'm getting more and more into Bhagavad Bhagavad Gita because I'm finding that even in the basic points, Bhagavad Gita is the basic understanding on which our understanding of Krishna can develop more and more. But even these basic points, they're so profound because Krishna, he's not an ordinary person. So even what we might call the, the ordinary or basic points about Krishna, they're very deep. We can go on trying to understand more and more about Krishna. His glories are unlimited. So Krishna, he distinguishes, uh, even though he says that I'm equal to all, but he distinguishes between the sadhus and the dushkritis, the good people and the bad people. And it's not just a matter of calling someone good and calling someone bad, but there's a very distinct difference in the way Krishna behaves towards them. Towards the sadhus, he, he, Krishna will give his life for the sadhus. He is, although Krishna never dies, but... Krishna says that 
साधवहृदयोमाह्यम साधुनं हृदयं त्वहं अरण्यते न जानन्ति नाहंतेभ्यो मनागपि कृष्ण सेज द साधुस दे आर माय हार्ट एंड आई एम द हार्ट ऑफ द साधुस दे नो नथिंग बट मी आई नो नथिंग बट देम इट्स अ वेरी इंटिमेट रिलेशनशिप विथ हिज डिवोटीज एंड एज फॉर द डीमन्स विनाश like the the dish duskriti krishna destroys them so uh, there's a distinct difference and we should know that though in one sense all jivas are one or of the same quality mamai vangsho jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana all our parts and parcels of krishna but there is a distinct difference in the way different people behave and what their attitudes are and krishna responds differently and they get a different result we find in the bhagavad gita lord krishna discusses the duskritis or the asuras in some detail he says the basic definition of a duskriti or a rascal is the simple english translation is that they don't surrender to krishna right which verse is that namang duskrino duskritino murha prapadyante naradama maya paritagyana asuram bhavamashita krishna classifies four kinds of demons the fools the rascals the uh, bewildered scholars and the uh, born again or avowed out and out demons but they're all they're all their basic symptom is that they don't surrender to krishna and krishna devotes most of the 16th chapter of gita to describing them their bad qualities dambho darpo bimanas cha krodha parusham eva cha agyana cha bhijatasya partha sampadam asurin the asuras or the the people who are eligible to be killed by or destroyed by krishna they are proud arrogant conceited angry harsh ignorant they're born with these qualities so not nice people at all so krishna discusses these people in some detail and he says i destroy them but krishna is destroying that's also in a sense uplifting but in a different way so we need to understand this krishna speaks this for us in this world so that we can understand this actually in one sense the bhagavad gita is not spoken for pure devotees it's spoken for people who are bewildered like arjuna and for those who are pure devotees they have the vision that krishna has some samoham sarvabhuteshu name dveshostina priha the pure devotees they don't see anyone as good or as good or bad sarvabhuteshu ya pashet bhagavad bhagavam atmanah mm what's the next line bhagavad bhagavamanah mm karmamba bhagavato tama i should know that bhag gavad bhavam ups 
Alright, I'll just take a little break here. Anyway, the purport is that the topmost devotee, he sees all living beings as pure devotees. Ah, yes. Sarambhuteshu ya Pashad Bhagavad Bhavamatmanaha Bhutani Bhagavat Yatman Yesha Bhagavatotamaha the pure devotee sees that all living beings are part and parcel of Krishna. He's In his vision, he just sees Krishna and everyone else. He doesn't see their good or bad deeds. That's the vision of a pure devotee. And that's when Krishna says, I see all living beings equally, well that's the completely pure vision. But then um, a middle level devotee, a preacher... He sees differently. He's enjoying to see differently. Ishvare tad adhineshu balisheshu tvishatsucha prema maitri kripo peksha yakaroti samadhyamaha. The madhyama adhikari sees, he distinguishes that there is God. And he loves God. He distinguishes that there are devotees and he makes friendship with the devotees. He sees that there are uh, people who are not devotees but they're not out-and-out demons. They're just foolish and misled. And he's merciful to them. And he sees that there are people who are completely demoniac and he avoids them. Now, if one is going to preach Krishna consciousness, then he has to make distinctions. In Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna makes distinctions. There are good people and there are bad people, and we should behave with them differently. So if we have no connection with the world, if we're like Vangshi Das Babaji, for instance, then, well, even he distinguished, but mostly he was just, mostly he didn't interact with the outside world. He was just absorbed in his own ecstasy with Gopal, his deity. And then sometimes, when he would come to external consciousness, or semi-external consciousness, he would make some distinctions. So a pure devotee is just absorbed, he sees Krishna, he can, in that uh, ecstasy, he cannot even imagine that anyone could have any bad feeling toward Krishna or toward anyone else, his heart is so pure, he cannot even imagine that there could be such a thing as bad feeling. Even if someone is spitting on him, beating him, he's just, he's just oblivious to it all. He, he's not cognizant of it. So there's so much absorbed in Krishna consciousness. But for uh, being kind to the living beings, one has to make distinctions. So Krishna, he also, in one, in one sense he's equal to all, but in another sense he makes distinctions also, because you can't uplift someone if you don't think they need uplifting. And then you have to, you have to make some distinction if you're going to preach Krishna consciousness, if you're going to help others. Now it's said that a Vaishnava, one of the important qualities of a Vaishnava is that he doesn't criticize anyone. 
But on the other hand, if we don't criticize anyone, then we can't uh, point out what is incorrect behavior and <coughs> rectify others. So actually it's true, the, the topmost devotee doesn't criticize others. And a, and a, a Madhya Madhikari preacher, actually Prabhupada often said that the Madhya, the preacher is the topmost devotee. <laughs> but he takes, a, he takes a lower position. But out of his kindness he tries to uplift others. So, uh, the Madhyama Adhikari, he doesn't criticize as others criticize. Materialistic people criticize others because they want, they take pleasure in uh, pointing out the faults of others. By pointing out the faults of others, they like to show that they themselves are better. Out of meanness to make others feel bad. These are the various reasons why materialistic people criticize others. But a devotee criticizes others uh, <coughs> not out of such a base motive. <coughs> he criticizes others uh, to correct them to point out their faults. In many cases, the people who are criticized, they are incorrigible. That means they cannot be reformed. They're just not open to be reformed. But by pointing out their fault, other persons who uh, may be misled by them, they can be saved from by, by seeing the fault of persons they would have been misled by, they are saved from that. So, for instance, we might criticize these bogus avatars. In fact, we should do. We don't expect them to... Uh, we don't expect uh, Sai Baba to say, well, actually, you know, I'm bogus and now I want to become a Vaishnava and surrender my life to Krishna. We don't expect him to say that. And we don't expect his uh, followers, most of them, to change. I mean, in, in all these years of my speaking against Sai Babaism, I can hardly think of... Yeah, I can think of... And just now I can think of three people who came out of that and became devotees, but that's not very many. Uh, but... It is necessary, nevertheless, you may say, well, why, why even speak about this? Just to distinguish, but, and uh, for the sake of those who would otherwise be bewildered, and uh, to establish the actual position of the personality of Godhead. So it's necessary to criticize. In fact, the Madhyama Adhikari, or the preacher, may appear to be the most critical person in the world. Srila Prabhupada, I mean, he was always criticizing. And his regular vocabulary included fools, rascals, nonsense, animals, and so on. Because uh, it's necessary for a preacher to do so. Unless he does so, then uh, we'll just go along with the general social convention in which 
what is that? Humbi chup, tumbi chup. I don't say anything, you don't say anything, and we just go on. And uh, you, you do anything you like, and I'll do anything I like, and you don't criticize, I don't criticize. This is a, this is a uh, social convention and by which the uh, people, they, they're very polite, and they just get on with their business of being rascals, in a, in a, often a very, uh, what appears to be an inoffensive manner, but actually they're offensive to Krishna. So there, there is a difference between sadhus and, and rascals. In one sense there's no difference in as much as everyone is by nature a servant of Krishna. But there is a difference in as much as some recognize that and act according to that and they, such people are called sadhus. And others, uh, they refuse to recognize that. And they're called rascals. Now, in the context of modern India, we might think that, well, Krishna comes to uplift the sadhus. So there are so many sadhus. You can go on the Haridwar, you'll find so many sadhus. Go to Vrindavan, we'll find so many sadhus. Along the banks of any holy river in India, we'll find so many ashrams and so many sadhus. And there are so many, organi- there are individual sadhus who have their own ashrams and then you find some sadhus with three or four ashrams and you'll find big organizations like Brahma Kumaris and all this uh, sadhus. There are so many sadhus. So someone might think that, well, Krishna comes to protect the sadhus and he's going to kill the rascals. Maybe he's going to come and kill all the Muslims, we might think. But Krishna doesn't make any sectarian claim. He, he gives the qualities of the sadhus. That's very specific in the Bhagavatam, that verse I just quoted, that sadhus are devotees. And the non-devotees are those, or, or the demons, are those who are proud, arrogant, ignorant, all those bad qualities that are mentioned there. And Krishna elaborates in the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, uh, giving more bad qualities of the demons, such as, for instance, asatyam apratishtamte jagadahuranishvaram Aparaspara sambhutam kimanyat kama haitukam. The demons, they say there is no ultimate principle in the universe. There's no controller. Everything is just going on just like that. What other cause is there but desire? So, uh, generally we consider a sadhu to be you know, someone with a beard and a turban and a name something like Onkareshvara Ananda something like that Brahmalin and usually they should have uh, be fat also that's, that's usually considered the symptom of a sadhu either they should be fat or very very skinny extremely skinny one of the two. Nothing in between. If you're going to be a real sadhu. And the long beard, yeah, that's important too. So, who is a sadhu? Now, Chaitanya Mahabharata says, Mayavadi Krishna Aparadi. The Mayavadis are offenders to Krishna. 
because they say he has no name, form, qualities, pastimes. They may say, well, that's what the Shastra says. But to, abs- to, to take this as an absolute principle, that Krishna has no name, form, qualities, pastimes, it's very offensive to Krishna. Now, not long ago, when I was last in Udupi, that was three months ago, a devotee asked me about Mayavadi. Yeah, what did he say? I wrote it down, that's why I remember that. Yeah, he say, he, well, he commented to me that many who we call Mayavadis, they're actually very serious sadhakas. They do, they rise early, you see, they, they, they rise, they'll take bath in the Ganga or Narmada or whatever river they're living on. Early in the morning, they'll chant Vedic stotras. If you meet them, they're often, they're often very well behaved and polite. And in all sense, they're, they're very serious sadhakas. I agreed, but I said that they're serious about the wrong thing. Or you could say they're serious about the, the right thing, but in the wrong way. They're serious about spiritual life, but their perspective is so wrong. It's just like uh, Hitler is the most popular demon of the 20th century, at least in the Western world. Well, it seems in India people didn't have such a bad opinion of Hitler as the British did. But anyway, the British won the war, so Hitler got consigned to the dustbin of Hitler. He got thrown in to the... He's made out to be the worst person, although I don't know if George Bush, for instance, is uh, any better. Actually, I often say that Hitler was better because at least he was honest about being a rascal. But the, the modern... Proper, the, the modern... Demons, they, uh, they, in the name of humanitarianism and all these things, they do the same thing. <laughs> Peace, justice, humanitarian, democracy. They go into other countries and take them over and kill the people and like that. Anyway, uh, the point is, it's, it's, uh, the, the gross examples make the point clear. It's, it's a common technique in explaining in arguing any subject. That, that's always done. The, the, in arguing against Mayavad, you'll find the, if, if the, their point is taken to an extreme, then you can see how wrong the argument is. So if you're wrong about something, even if you're very serious about it, uh, it's still wrong. So Hitler, he was very serious. There's no doubt he was very serious. He was very committed to the uplift of Germany. Uh, he was very committed to uh, what he believed was right, but he was a demon. So, and the result was bad for him and bad for everyone else. No one benefited from Hitler's activities apart from the people who are funding the war, both sides, whose families are still funding all the wars today, which is another subject. Uh, and even they didn't benefit, of course, because they all go to hell anyway. But, uh, yeah, in many ways they're doing the right thing, these sadhus. But because underlying it, they, even though they don't recognize it themselves, they have an underlying uh, dvesha or, toward Krishna. 
an underlying uh, sense of, of, of they don't want to accept that Krishna is supreme and we have to surrender to him. They don't want to accept that. Which is why they fall in the category of Bhagavad Gita. That they do, the basic definition of a dushkriti or a rascal is someone who is not inclined to surrender to who is against the principle of surrender who either avoids it or is directly against the principle of surrendering to Krishna and even though the Mayavadis may talk of that and they'll quote Bhagavad Gita Mame Kamsharanam Raja but they interpret it in such a way as to that surrender to Krishna becomes something completely different and they avoid surrendering to Krishna so are they sadhus? Well, in one sense you can say they are. And in many ways the Mayavadis are often better sadhus than our devotees, especially our Riskon devotees, because we're, in many ways we are adjusted to the modern world. In, at, at least in terms of external performances, and we'll find many good sadhus. And in many ways we appreciate that also. But... In another sense, no, they're not sadhus. They're, they're rascals and very fallen. So this may, again, it may seem to be contradictory. Arjuna's problem was he thought that what Krishna said was contradictory. It's not contradictory, but we have to find the uh, samanvai, the, the, the harmony. It's, it's seen from different perspectives. From the absolute perspective, the Mayavadis are rascals. But if we come down a bit, uh, and we can see that, well, in some ways they're doing some good things. Their inclination to, for instance, live on the bank of the Ganga, their inclination to want to be good, in some ways it's good. They're, they they protect or, they, or observe Hindu culture. And so in some ways it's good, but the... The, then, but the mistake they make is so bad that it really spoils everything. So in some ways, yes, very good. These people are very good. But in other ways, no. And the other ways are so bad that we, may, we don't want to associate with them very thickly. We may... Actually, we have no visit, business to visit their ashram, but we might do, for instance, uh, for selling them books, for... We might lodge if we're going to Rameshwaram or something like that. When I went to Rameshwaram, I lodged in a Mayavadi ashram and I was respectful to the Mahant and he already had our books and they appreciate Iskon's work in many ways. On one level, yeah, they're sadhus and we should respect them as such. But in another sense, uh, we're very much against their understanding and what they teach. But then in another way, I mean, even though we may so, we may be so much against, or we should be so much against, for instance, these cheaters, uh, we, we are directly call them cheaters, and sometimes people become shocked, these bogus sadhus. But in another sense, they may be even better than those who are talking about God, but misrepresenting in such a bad way. That just like there are so many Christians converting left, right, and center in India, and then the, the people they convert they stop believing in many gods and they start believing in one god, which is the point we're trying to bring them to. But on the other hand, they become completely inimical toward Vedic culture. And uh, they become blasphemous. 
and they become to the strange position where they profess to believe in God, but they hate Krishna. And isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> they don't know who he is, actually. So, these points may appear to be very complex. Therefore, they all need to be discussed in some detail so we can understand them properly. Therefore, I'm discussing Bhagavad Gita because uh, it may seem that we've understood it and we can go on. And to some extent, we have, if we should have understood Bhagavad Gita and we should go on. It's not that we should avoid reading Srimad Bhagavatam and, and Srimad Bhagavatam will definitely increase our understanding of and knowledge of and therefore our of Krishna, and therefore our attraction to him. But then if we go back to Bhagavad Gita, we may find, oh, there's so much there I have to investigate and understand. All right, I'll finish there. We could go on and on and on and on, but I think that's all I'll discuss at this point, unless either of the three or four among us who can understand what I'm saying, uh, have any questions or comments. And sorry, but uh, I just thought I'd say that for all these things, just to catch it while it was there, because there may be other people around the world who will eventually get to hear all this, even though I just came to Kuwait for two days. So you can give a summary in Hindi, unless you have any question or anything. Why should I give summary and maybe they'll have some questions? Because most of them will not have Okay, तो वहां पे हम पाते हैं कि कई चीजें भगवान कृष्ण ऐसे बोलते हैं जो एक दूसरे के साथ में नहीं सम्मिलित होती तो शुरुआत ऐसे हुई कि अर्जुन जो थे भगवान कृष्ण अर्जुन को और ज्यादा भ्रमित नहीं करना चाहते थे और अर्जुन तो भगवान कृष्ण से एक सीधा उत्तर चाहते थे कि मैं क्या करूं पर तभी भगवान कृष्ण ने उनको पूरा भगवत गीता का ज्ञान दिया अच्छे से पूरा सब कुछ समझाया महाराज ने कहा वैसे तो ये कृष्ण भक्ति है साधारण तरह से जो साधारण व्यक्ति है एक सरल दिल के लोग हैं उनके लिए बहुत आसान है पर और जो साधारण प्रिंसिपल है साधारण तत्व है कैसा मात्र भक्ति है वो चीज आसान है पर काफी सारी चीजें जब हम बीच में जाएंगे और गंभीर उसमें जाएंगे तो हम पाएंगे कि काफी चीजें जो है मुश्किल हो जाती समझना जैसे भगवान कृष्ण का रूप है भगवान कृष्ण का रूप भी स्वयं रूप से त्रिभंगा रूप है तो सीधा नहीं है त्रिभंगा है भगवान कृष्ण का रूप और भगवान कृष्ण का जो प्रेम है गोपियों के बीच में भगवान कृष्ण के बीच में वो भी सीधा नहीं है महाराज ने समझाया उसके अंदर भी कई ऐसी चीजें हैं जो हमारे लगेगा कि प्रेम है नहीं पर हमारे को समझना मुश्किल तो महाराज ने ये एग्जाम्पल देने पर कहा उदाहरण देने पर कि हम हर एक व्यक्ति का जीवन है वो बहुत किसी का भी जीवन सीधा नहीं है हर जीवन परेशानियां हर एक जीवन कठिनाइयां जो बात समझने में मुश्किल होती है अब 
जैसे अर्जुन जी के जीवन में क्या परेशानी थी कि वो लड़ाई करें नहीं करें अपने संबंधियों को मारे कि नहीं मारे तो अर्जुन जी ने प्रश्न पूछा तो भगवान कृष्ण ने समझाना शुरू करा कि कर्म योग क्या है उन्होंने कहा कि कार्य करने का की परिभाषा है ना कार्य करने की क्या परिभाषा कर्म की क्या परिभाषा कर्म की अभिकर्म की क्या परिभाषा फिर एक श्लोक आता है उसके अंदर कि जो लोग कार्य के अंदर निष्कार्य को देखते हैं और निष्कार्य के अंदर कार्य को देखते हैं वो सबसे बड़े जानेंगे आप लोगों ने सब श्लोक सुना होगा तो ये जो है चीज हमारे को साधारण व्यक्ति को समझ में नहीं आएगी पर भगवान ने समझाया कि जब हम लोग भगवदगीता का प्रयास करते हैं तो ये चीजें भगवान कृष्ण हमारे को धीरे धीरे समझाना शुरू करते हैं जैसे एक और चीज भगवदगीता के अंदर कहा पहले भगवान कहते हैं कि वो सब जीवात्माओं के लिए एक समान है और फिर उसी श्लोक में बोलते हैं कि नहीं अपने भक्तों के लिए मैं उनको ज्यादा उनको प्रेम करता हूं फिर उसके बाद पहले एक और श्लोक था इसी श्लोक के पहले महाराज का जहां पे ऐसी एक दुविधा वाली बात आती है भगवान कहते हैं यहां पे बोलते हैं कि सबके लिए समान है उसके पहले बोलते हैं कि मेरा अवतार होता है जो असुर है उनका विनाश करने के लिए और जो भक्त है उनका देखभाल करने के लिए तो महाराज ने कहा ये चीज हम कैसे समझे इसको समझने में मुश्किल तो एक जैसे श्रीमद भागवतम में से एक उदाहरण दिया महाराज ने शिशुपाल को क्यों मारा और कैसे मारा तो शिशुपाल को भगवान कृष्ण ने मारा था कैसे अपने चक्र से मार दिया था तो भागवतम हमारे को समझाती है इन चीजों को कैसे समझना चाहिए भागवतम ने समझाया कि भगवान कृष्ण ने शिशुपाल का उद्धार उद्धार उसको मोक्ष उसका वध करके तो भगवान के कार्य को समझने के लिए जो भगवान के दिव्य कार्य थे वो समझने के लिए हमारे को भक्ति मय हृदय से भगवान की कथा को सुनना होगा अगर हम भक्ति के मय हृदय से भगवान की कथा को सुनेंगे तो ये चीज फिर हमारे को समझ आ जाएगी भगवान के जो कार्य हमारे को भी दुविधा में लग रहे हैं कि हमारे को समझ नहीं आ रहा वो फिर हमारे को धीरे धीरे समझ में आने लगेगा तो जिन लोगों को समझ में नहीं आता है वो ज्यादातर भगवान कृष्ण के बारे में सोचते हैं भगवान कृष्ण तो भाई उनका चरित्र अच्छा नहीं था झूठ बोलते थे लड़ाई कराते थे सब क्योंकि <laughs> वह लोग समझ नहीं पा रहे भगवान कृष्ण के चरित्र को पर जब तक हमारे अंदर भक्ति नहीं रहेगी तब तक भगवत गीता श्रीमद भागवतम भगवान कृष्ण का चरित्र सुनिए आप लोग भगवान कृष्ण का चरित्र समझना बहुत मुश्किल है जब तक भगवान हृदय में भक्ति नहीं रहेगी अब महाराज ने समझाया कि और कई लोग होते हैं जो अर्जुन के जैसे हैं जो मानते हैं कि मैं द्विधा में हूं मेरे को समझ में नहीं आ रहा भगवान आप मेरी मदद करिए पद भरा ने कहा उससे भी बुरे लोग वो हैं जो वैसे तो अंधकार में हैं जिनको ज्ञान नहीं है पर सोचते हैं कि हमको सब कुछ समझ में आ रहा है कि हमको भगवदगीता अच्छे समझ में आ रही है और उसका सब अंशन तात्पर्य बताना शुरू करते हैं जैसे उन लोग ज्यादातर कब परेशानी में आ जाते हैं जैसे भगवान कृष्ण ने श्लोक के अंदर कहा कि मेरे को आप वेदों से समझ सकते और वेदों के अंदर भगवान कृष्ण के बारे में क्या क्या भगवान के कृष्ण की भगवान के कोई गुण नहीं है भगवान का कोई रूप नहीं है तो ऐसे व्यक्ति जिनको भक्ति नहीं है वो जब ऐसी चीजें सुनते हैं तो वो सीधा बोलते हैं कि इसका मतलब शायद भगवान कृष्ण जो है वो भी एक माया के प्रभाव में आके रूप है और जो माया जब उनका अंत होगा तो अंत हो ये गलत सोच है और दूसरी एक तरह की सोच है कि 
भगवान कृष्ण का कोई भौतिक रूप नहीं और भगवान कृष्ण के जो गुण है वो भौतिक नहीं तो अगर हम भगवान कृष्ण के मार्गदर्शन के अनुसार चलेंगे तो जिस प्रकार आई जस्ट कैन मेक अनादर पॉइंट द क्वेश्चन ऑफ दिस डिवोटी इन उडुपी बट ही वॉज सेम अबाउट द माई अबादीज I said no, they're on the wrong path. But, but then he asked, "Is it their fault that they don't know the real path?" Ultimately, yes, it is because they they're attracted to the wrong thing. And if we tell them the right thing, there's very few who will come out of that. So, yeah, it, that people are attracted to that means there's something wrong in their consciousness. They they have a sense of irsha or. or, or hatred toward krishna so there there is some, despite their good behavior and their culture and this and that and, uh, which, actually not all my bodies are well behaved some of them but uh, but uh, there's an underlying sense of of uh, rejection of krishna which is very bad or we could take it another way and say well it's our fault that we didn't preach enough that's that that we can also take it like that but we have to be very clear about these points otherwise we tend to become mayavadis ourselves and start to think well you know what he's doing it is is good well in one sense is good but we should keep everything in perspective because if we if we start to think it's good without seeing the bad side of it then uh we'll we'll also we may partake in that bad side if we start to approve of their outlook about krishna then we also become offensive so we have to be very careful there we therefore we're enjoined not to mix with such people on the other hand if if we are if we're against them and we don't recognize that uh, after all there's some culture there then we, may, we then we may go to another extreme Okay that was the little extra then question kya prashna hai kiska all right we have to bahut hi hum log yani mere ko dekh ke bolta hu ki mera jo buddhi utna koi jyada nahi hai lekin itna hum humko pata chala ki bhagwan kon hai aur main kon hai aur mera kya kartavya hai yeah तो अभी मैं तो इतना शास्त्र है जितना भी शास्त्र में लिखा हुआ है इतना ज्ञान है जो मेरे विचार से वो उतना डीपली जाना मुश्किल है oh. और ऐसे भी सारे मतलब उसमें डिटेल्स है जो कि हम समझ नहीं पाएंगे ऑलराइट सो ठीक है लेकिन मैंने शास्त्रों के अनुसार चल के ऐसे सेवा करेंगे और आखिर में मेरा मत हो जाएगा ठीक है तो I'll I I'm Joe Bolera hey may increase make a hunga and then you can put it back. Sure. So the proposal is that well I'm I'm not so intelligent I don't go so deeply into shastra but I know by from shastra who Krishna is and I have faith in serving him and is that all right is that enough and actually for most people yes it is. 
And maybe it's e- it's easier also that they, they, for, for many people, if they start thinking about these things, they may become even more confused. They, they, they keep it simple. On the other hand, uh, it is required that some devotees at least get into these points because otherwise what happens is just like for instance many years ago during the time of Vedanta Deshika who was a great devotee in the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya he was residing in Sri Rangam and he was studying the Vedas and making commentaries and the local devotees there who they they were uh, just reciting the Tamil Divya Prabandhams, which are just glorifying Krishna with bhakti. And they they thought, that, what is this? He's studying Veda and all this. He's just a, he's a dry gani, and they more or less drove him out of Sri Rangam. What is this useless fellow? He's got no bhakti. It's just, he's just all theoretical. And we're direct, we, we just want to glorify the Lord. We don't want to hear all these theoretical talks. So he went to Kanchi, I believe. Yeah, and that's the yeah, country, that's the uh, northern, north of, uh, that's the uh, Varigalai, the northern path. And uh, sometime after that, a uh, one of the Shankara Acharyas, or a follower of Shankara, the Advaita Vad, came and uh, he saw in Sri Rangam, no one, no one knows Sanskrit properly, there's no... There's no, uh, no one can discuss any philosophy and he just, uh, he mocked them all. You see, they don't know anything, they're just a bunch of sentimentalists. And then whatever they wanted to say to, up to, to uh, uphold their position, he smashed it because he was uh, deeply learned in Advaita philosophy. Then after, they were so humiliated and embarrassed that they called Vedanta the... the devotees there in Sri Rangam, they called Vedanta Deshika back. So it's required that at least some people understand this to deal, as Srila Prabhupada says, to... Well, he talks about, if you read the Srimad Bhagavatam, at least you can defend yourself against the onslaught of atheists. But what often happens is that when devotees are very simple, they can easily get misled also. And there are many cases we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Bala Bhadra Bhattacharya, who was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's assistant, and he was supposed to be, uh, well, he was. He, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that you're a pundit. He'd studied Shastra. But when the local people said that there's a, Krishna has appeared again in Vrindavan and at night he's dancing on, the, on Kaliya in, in the Yamuna, Bala Bhadrabhattacharya became very enthusiastic to go and see that. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, What is this? You're supposed to be a pundit and you believe all this rubbish? So he was learned, but he, he hadn't, it seemed, he hadn't considered the implications of Shastra. Sometimes you find people, they're learned, but they don't know how to apply it. So, uh, unless there are devotees who understand all these points in detail, then these simple devotees who just want to do service, they're going to be misled by, by cheetahs and mayavadis and bogus gurus. And practically what's going on in India, mostly people are following bhakti. And all these groups, uh, 
like I'm talking about these bogus avatars and bogus gurus, they are in the some people like mundane scholars they classify them in the bhakti cults because it's guru bhakti. People have bhakti for Sai Baba and Ashram Baba and all this, but that's not bhakti according to the definition of shastra. It's it's but the the spirit of devotion is there, but it's it's uh, perverted because it's centered on the wrong person, and there are so many wrong ideas that people have. Just like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he was fighting against all these sahajyas. There's so much bhakti in Bengal, but there are so many. It's all mixed up with so many bogus ideas. So someone should understand these points about the philosophy in detail, because that's required. Uh, another point is that that is also glorification of Krishna to do that, because this what Krishna speaks is non-different from him, and to attempt to. Uh, go deeper and deeper in understanding Krishna, that's, uh, that's another form of glorification of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. And therefore all our acharyas have done that. And sometimes some class of sahajyas, they criticize the acharyas as being dry jnanis. So, yeah, it's not that everyone's going to be a, a great philosopher, but... That is also required, and that's why Prabhupada had classes every day, and maybe not everyone's fit for hearing classes. Some people should be uh, just... Or, or they may not be fit for hearing classes at a philosophical level, but Prabhupada spoke every single day on, a, on the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And I've several times described how the first time I had direct darshan of Prabhupada. He came to London for less than one day and the only speaking he did, he gave one class. He, did, he didn't say to the devotees, I'm very happy to see you or any such thing. He just came down, gave a class, a very philosophical class and left. <laughs> that was my first darshan of Prabhupada. So he, uh, he gave these classes day after day because he wanted to train first and foremost a class of brahmanas, people who understand the truth and how to apply it in their lives. So maybe one reason in ISKCON that nowadays a lot of our classes are, there's lots of jokes and stories and all these kind of things is because, uh, well, they're trying to bring in people other than the philosophically minded class. Or people who... Uh, uh, that's there. I mean, in the Puranas, the Puranas are stories and... Uh, that's Mahabharat, Sri Shudra Drija Bandhu Nam, Trayana Veda Gochara. That Mahabharat is meant for people who are not fit for the, the uh, high teachings of the Vedas. But so maybe there should be a division of class of, of instruction also. That's also the Brahmanas are not instructed in the same way as uh, non-Brahmanas. And, but even though, the, as Srila Prabhupada said, even though the philosophy course, you'll hardly expect two or three people to uh, enroll for that, but still it should be maintained. Massive people, they're not going to be philosophers. But to some extent they should be also. They should understand the basics. As far as possible. Yeah, it's true. All these points discussing in detail, maybe it's not for everyone. For most people, chant Hare Krishna, take prasad and be happy. 
and at least try to understand Bhagavad Gita at some level. Yeah. You understood? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, after second initiation, is it necessary to take sannyas? Did you take second initiation? No. Well, I think if you're asking that question, you shouldn't take second initiation because... Well, second initiation, pancharatric, means that you're allowed to worship deities. But Prabhupada often call that Brahminical initiation. So to be a Brahmin means one should understand philosophy and it's, it's not necessary to formally take sannyas. At one level it's not necessary, on another level Prabhupada said everyone should take sannyas. So again it's an apparent contradiction. Um, yeah, I, I'm personally not much in favor of giving everyone Brahminical initiation when anyway, that's another whole subject. Is it necessary to take sannyas? Formally, no, it's not. It's not required. And not advisable, probably, also. Yeah, anything else? There was a question. I was just wondering, uh, there's Yeah, devotees. Are, I, I'll just repeat what you're saying because oh, this should be run this way. Devotees who are advancing in spiritual life, they feel reciprocation from the Lord. And so it helps them advance more. And the soul. And and thus it helps them. Yeah, and the re- yeah, and the reciprocation from the Lord helps them to advance more. They feel enthused to go on. go on. But what about in the case of Mayavadis? What in the case of Mayavadis? What makes them go on? Uh, well, it may be different in different cases. Uh, people, are motiv- people have different motivations. Sorry, we're talking about Hitler. Maybe his motivation was the sense he's doing good for the German people. That may have been his motivation. For the Mayavadis, I mean, they get a huge boost to their egos. Egoism keeps them running on. To think that I am God, and then people come and they respect them, and it's a big thing. Everyone has some motivation. So they get reciprocation from the material energy and thinking that they are God. <laughs> Makes them feel good in a perverted way. Yeah. Anything else? Ah, uh, I, I, I'm just going to make another point. Uh, the question of uh, this devotee in Udupi, but I, I, he was saying about the Mayavadis. I, I said that, no, they're on the wrong path. But, but then he asked, is it their fault that they don't know the real path? Ultimately, yes, it is, because they, they're attracted to the wrong thing. And if we tell them the right thing, there's very few who will come out of that. So, yeah, it, that people are attracted to that means there's something wrong 
in their consciousness. They they have a sense of irsha or, or, or hatred toward Krishna. So there there is some, despite their good behavior and their culture and this and that. And, uh, which, actually, not all my bodies are well behaved. Some of them, but uh, but uh, there's an underlying sense of of. Uh, Rejection of Krishna, which is very bad. Or we could take it another way and say, "Well, it's our fault that we didn't preach enough." That's that. That we can also take it like that. But we have to be very clear about these points. Otherwise, we tend to become Mayavadis ourselves and start to think, "Well, you know what he's doing it is is good." Well, in one sense, it's good, but we should keep everything in perspective because if we if we start to think it's good without seeing the bad side of it, then uh, we'll, we'll also we may partake in that bad side. If we start to approve of their outlook about Krishna, then we also become offensive. So we have to be very careful. Therefore, we're enjoined not to mix with such people. On the other hand, if if we are if we're against them and we don't recognize that. Uh, after all, there's some culture there. Then we, we then we may go to another extreme. Okay, that was the little extra. Then question. Kya prashna hai kiska? कि मेरा जो बुद्धि है उतना कोई ज्यादा नहीं है लेकिन इतना हमको पता चला कि भगवान कौन है और मैं कौन है और मेरा क्या कर्तव्य है या तो अभी मैं तो इतना शास्त्र है जितना भी शास्त्र में लिखा हुआ है इतना ज्ञान है जो मेरे विचार से वो उतना डिप्टी जाना मुश्किल है और ऐसे भी सारे I'm not so intelligent, I don't go so deeply into Shastra, but I know by from Shastra who Krishna is and I have faith in serving him and is that alright, is that enough? And actually for most people, yes, it is. And maybe it's e- it's easier also that they for, for many people if they start thinking about these things they may become even more confused. They... they Keep it simple. On the other hand, uh, it is required that some devotees at least get into these points because otherwise what happens is, just like for instance, many years ago during the time of Vedanta Deshika, who was a great devotee in the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya, he was residing in Sri Rangam and he was studying the Vedas and making commentaries and the local devotees there who they they were uh, just reciting the Tamil 
divya prabandhams which are just glorifying Krishna with bhakti. And they they thought, that, what is this? He's studying Veda and all this. He's just a, he's a dry gani, and they more or less drove him out of Sri Ranga. He's, what is this useless fellow? He's got no bhakti. It's just, he's just all theoretical. And we're direct, we, we just want to glorify the Lord. We don't want to hear all these theoretical talks. So he went to Kanchi, I believe. Yeah, and that's, yeah, Kanchi. That's the uh, northern, north of, uh, that's the uh, Varigalai, the northern path. And uh, sometime after that, a uh, one of the Shankaracharyas or a follower of Shankara, the Advaita Vad, came and uh, he saw in Sri Ranga. No one, no one knows Sanskrit properly. There's no, there's no, uh, no one can discuss any philosophy. And he just uh, he mocked them all. See, they don't know anything. They're just a bunch of sentimentalists. And then. Whatever they wanted to say to up to to uh, uphold their position, he smashed it because he was uh, deeply learned in Advaita philosophy. Then after they were so humiliated and embarrassed that they called Vedanta the, the devotees there in Sri Ramana, they called Vedanta they should go back. So it's required that at least some people understand this to deal, as Srila Prabhupada says, to... Well, he talks about, if you read the Srimad Bhagavatam, at least you can defend yourself against the onslaught of atheists. But what often happens is that when devotees are very simple, they can easily get misled also. And there are many cases, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that Bala Bhadra Bhattacharya, who was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's assistant, and he was supposed to be... Uh, well, he was. He was. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that you're a pundit. He'd studied Shastra. But when the local people said that there's a, Krishna has appeared again in Vrindavan and at night he's dancing on the, on Kaliya in, in the Yamuna, Balabhadrabhatacharya became very enthusiastic to go and see that. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, What is this? You're supposed to be a pundit and you believe all this rubbish? So he was learned, but he he hadn't it seemed he hadn't considered the implications of Shastra. Sometimes you find people they're learned, but they don't know how to apply it. So uh, unless there are devotees who understand all these points in detail, then the simple devotees who just want to do service they're going to be misled by by cheaters and mayavadis and bogus gurus. And practically, what's going on in India? Mostly people are following bhakti. And all these groups, uh, like I'm talking about these bogus avatars and bogus gurus, they are in the, some people like mundane scholars, they classify them in the bhakti cults. Because it's guru bhakti. People have bhakti for Sai Baba and Ashram Baba and all this. But that's not bhakti according to the definition of Shastra. It's It's... But the, the spirit of devotion is there, but it's it's uh, perverted because it's centered on the wrong person. And there are so many wrong ideas that people have. Just like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswara Thakur, he was fighting against all these sahajyas. There's so much bhakti in Bengal, but there are so many, it's all mixed up with so many bogus ideas. 
So someone should understand these points about the philosophy in detail because that's required. Uh, another point is that that is also glorification of Krishna to do that because this what Krishna speaks is non-different from him. And to attempt to uh, go deeper and deeper in understanding Krishna, that's, uh, that's another form of glorification of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. And therefore all our acharyas have done that. And sometimes some class of sahajiyas, they criticize the acharyas as being dry gyanis. So, yeah, it's not that everyone's going to be a, a great philosopher, but that is also required. And that's why Prabhupada had classes every day. And maybe not everyone's fit for hearing classes. Some people should be uh, just... Or, or they may not be fit for hearing classes at a philosophical level, but Prabhupada spoke every single day on, a, on the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And I've several times described how the first time I had direct darshan of Prabhupada, he came to London for less than one day, and the only speaking he did, he gave one class, he, did, he didn't say to the devotees, I'm very happy to see you, or any such thing. He just came down, gave a class, very philosophical class and left. That was my first darshan of Prabhupada. So he uh, he gave these classes day after day because he wanted to train first and foremost a class of brahmanas, people who understand the truth and how to apply it in their lives. So maybe one reason in Iskon that nowadays a lot of our classes are there's lots of jokes and stories and all these kind of things is because. Uh, well, they're trying to bring in people other than the philosophically minded class. Or people who... Uh, I, I, that's there. I mean, in the Puranas, the Puranas are stories. and uh, That's uh, Mahabharata, Sri Shudra Drijabandhu Nam, Trayana Veda Gochara. Mahabharata is meant for people who are not fit for the, the uh, high teachings of the Vedas. But... So maybe there should be a division of class, of, of instruction also. That's also the Brahmanas are not instructed in the same way as uh, non-Brahmanas. But, and, but even though, the, as Srila Prabhupada said, even though the philosophy course, you'll hardly expect two or three people to uh, enroll for that, but still it should be maintained. Massive people, they're not going to be philosophers. But to some extent they should be also. They should understand the basics. As far as possible. Yeah, it's true. All these points discussing in detail. Maybe it's not for everyone. For most people, chant Hare Krishna, take prasad and be happy. But at least try to understand Bhagavad Gita at some level. Yeah. You understood? Okay. All right. <coughs> One more question, please. Yeah. Uh, after second initiation, is it necessary to take sannyasa? Did you take second initiation? No. Well, I think if you're asking that question, you shouldn't take second initiation. Well, second initiation, pantaratric means that you're allowed to worship deities. But 
Kalpad often called that Brahminical initiation. So to be a Brahmin means one should understand philosophy. It's, it's not necessary to formally take sannyas. At one level it's not necessary. On another level, Prabhupada said everyone should take sannyas. Again, it's an apparent contradiction. Um, yeah, I, I personally not much in favor of giving everyone Brahminical initiation. Really. Anyway, that's another whole subject. Is it necessary to take sannyas? Formally, no, it's not. It's not required. And not advisable, probably, also. Yeah, anything else? There was a question. I just wanted to ask about, I just said we know that devotees, when they are advancing their uh, spiritual life, they they feel a reciprocation from the Lord. Yeah, devotees, I, I, I just repeat what you're saying, because I should be wrong this way. Devotees are advancing in spiritual life, they feel reciprocation from the Lord. And so it helps them advance more and the soul, and and thus it helps them. Advance. And the re- yeah, and the reciprocation from the Lord helps them to advance more. They feel enthused to go on. go on. But what about in the case of Mayavadis? What in the case of Mayavadis? What is making them go on? What makes them go on? Uh, well, it may be different in different cases. Uh, people are mot- people have different motivations sorry we're talking about Hitler maybe his motivation was the sense he's doing good for the German people that may have been his motivation for the Mayavadis I mean they get a huge boost to their egos egoism keeps them running on to think that I am God and then people come and they respect them and it's a big thing Everyone has some motivation. So they get reciprocation from the material energy and thinking that they are God. <laughs> Makes them feel good in a perverted way. Yeah, anything else? All right. Hare Krishna. All glory is to Srila Prabhupada. Yeah, real realization means to serve Krishna. Yeah.